Black Box Radio. We're a media platform illustrating black excellence. You already know. We out here. Hey. Black Box Radio. Boxer. Boxer. Black Box Radio. Boxer. Listen, Black Box Radio. We are in studio and we have Nika Nandi. Am I correct in that? Anunciate? Nika Nandi. Mm-hmm. Beautiful name. What Thank does it mean, my ask? Nika means mother is supreme and Namdi means my father's name lives on or I am my father's child. It just depends on how you mm-hmm. um, translate it. You know, because my name don't mean nothing. Oh, it means something. You just might not know what it means. Oh, okay, excuse me. Because all language, you know, all language It means something. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Nika Namdi. I love that. Love that. Okay. So we need to know who Nika is. <laughs> who is Nika Namdi? Holla at us. My name means my mom don't know how to spell. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. She knows. No, it, it means that English was not her uh, natural language. But what's your That's name, what it <laughs> That's what Call I mean. at us. You can't mention that and don't say so. Oh, y'all know my name. <laughs> yeah. So your mom don't know how to spell. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right. Who's Nika Namdi? That's what I we mean, need. To- <laughs> uh, this week. Uh, yeah. Um. The whole year. <laughs> the whole. The whole year. I don't know. It. It. It changes. It changes. It changes. But Ooh. in this capacity, I am um, the director of community development for the Living Well Center for Social and Economic Vibrancy, as well as the founder of uh, Fight Like Be More. I live in Baltimore. I love Baltimore. I was raised um, primarily in Baltimore County, um, but then moved to the city in the eleventh. Great. We're in the city, you might ask. And when we moved to the city, we moved to Edmondson Village. The village. The village, yes. It, was, it. it was it was great. Um <laughs> from the county to the village was experience, wasn't it? Well, see, the thing is I was <clears throat> I lived in the county, but okay. because the the vast majority of my family mm-hmm. in Baltimore lived in the city, we spent a lot of time in the city. In like the city. all the black people so stuff you were was in the city. Yeah. Okay, got it. I was yeah. All right, so you came to Emerson Village. Yeah, from the, the county. Moved, moved to um the village and went to Polly. Polly. Um because I you know, had a, have a bit of a mathematical or scientific mind. So Okay. Um we lived in the village for several years and then um we moved to Columbia, which was a whole nother um experience. Wow. So Howard County. Yeah. You know, I've I've lived all of all of Maryland's uh, racism, with the exception of uh, the Eastern Shore and Western Maryland. Really? So all of the You've around the, all of yeah, it. Mm. Because and when we lived in Baltimore County, we lived in Essex and Parkville in the eighties. So that was before um, you start to see black folks move. Um, before the Nigerians came out there. Yeah, <laughs> the way, 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 way before they came out. And way. before people from the city were displaced out into Correct. the county. Exactly. So exactly. in the 80s, when we lived in Essex, I think in the first, second and third grade, I was probably the only first and second grade. I was definitely the only black child in class. By third grade, there may have been a second. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I have the the unique experience of living in Essex um, before and it. Before the Great Migration. Before, well, yeah, if you want to call it the Great Migration. But, yeah, and before, you know, Parkville as well. By the sure. time we got to Parkville, there were more black folks um, in Parkville, but not not a whole lot. Um, How but, does that feel? 
being young. So I hated it then. Mm. Um, but it was a blessing in a way because I got to see and learn the intimacies of that direct racism um, as a young, young person. Sure. So later on, when I started working in very white, very male dominated um, software and systems engineering, you were able to recognize. Oh, I knew what it was and yes. I knew how to like, how to social, how to socialize, how to be social in exactly. that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't threatening to me. Because mm. I've been raised with people who would let their dogs out to chase you home. Like, really? that's the kind of, yeah, Essex is not like, people don't understand. Maryland, this is the South. It might be the upper South. Well, I grew up in South Carolina. This so I is, can tell you some stories, sis. Right. Yeah. Well, I got, I mean, my brother had a shotgun pulled on him mm. for going and knocking on a door to, you know, to, to see a white girl. Like, wow. yeah, this is the South. Serious. <laughs> this is the South. Man. And so... <laughs> It wow. did make it easier for me to navigate. Sure. So my um, other black folks who were coming into that, you know, kind of defense contracting at the same time as I was, who were not raised mm-hmm. in those environments, did not understand. They were like, what? I'm, like, get oh, emotional. That's, I'm like, that's racism. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, what that what they just said to you? You thought it was a compliment when they said, oh, you so articulate. <laughs> Right. I know exactly so well, what that meant. So well spoken. Really they're saying is, so well spoken. Yeah. yeah. So you really saying I can't believe it. I yeah. can't yeah, like mm-hmm. like shop, you know, those kind of things. Exactly. And so it was a blessing and a curse um in that way. The the balance, I think it turned out pretty well because to balance that out, I was raised by a mother who was a staunch and complete Pan African. She didn't play. She, she didn't play no game. Like we, you know, there was no pork. There was no Kool-Aid. There was no, we couldn't say hello because she was, her response would be hella is low. Like we were, <laughs> we were raised with all the super black wow. stuff before it was cool. From Kwanzaa, like was no Christmas, wasn't mm. like none of that. So you so, never had Christmas? None no. Of- well, we, well, I had Christmas up until I was probably six. Wow. And then, so as she came mm-hmm. more into the fold. Sure. You know, as a family. She got rid of Certain that. things just kind of faded, faded away. Wow. Um, so in my outside, in my school and, and neighborhood environment, it was, I had to deal with all of that. But at home, we would be, you know, being very much affirmed. In community, you know, we were being very much affirmed. So it made it, it made it, you know. Easier. It made it easier. But it also, in a way, it makes you, being Pan-African in the 70s and 80s and 90s also made you an outcast from black people. Mm. Because it was like them over there on that Africa stuff. Mm. This wasn't the Wakanda and everybody wants to show up. You know what? Gay this, later. this is very poignant. This is this is beautiful because a lot of times we don't know that in our own community, we separate ourselves. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of the separation is our our um, non-relationship with Africa. Right. It's, it's an absolute non-relationship. Right. And we've been taught that, of course. Right. And when someone exhibits some type of love or some type of embracing of our the diaspora or anything that comes from that, we, black people even have an issue with it because we've been taught to hate Africa. Mm-hmm. So... A lot of people don't understand that it's so many it's so many layers of what's going on in the black community when it comes to separation. We we have the color problem. <laughs> we have education class issues. Who was your colonizer? St- 
straight like that. We, we, we really have a lot of issues. So to hear you say that it, to me is very prophetic because years ago we weren't trying to talk about no Africa. Real talk. We was, we was straight up European. You are Africans. This is what, where we, this is all we knew. So when people had displayed Africa or I know where I live, some Jamaicans came with the dreads. We was like, they, you know, booty scratches. Something was wrong with them with them dirty dreads. Real talk. And, and me having dressed for 13 years later after that, it's so amazing how ignorant we are to our own cultures. Mm-hmm. I mean, on purpose. Purpose. I mean, on purpose. But yes. yeah, so we, that made it a little bit interesting because we mm-hmm. were kind of ostracized and, you know, in a, in a particular way. <laughs> yeah, like, it's funny now because Facebook has allowed, you know, folks to connect with people. Yes. So I have people say to me, yo, you've been the exact same since elementary and middle school. And I'm like, yeah, because y'all just catching up. You see all the stuff I was saying in high school about, you know, us being Africans and y'all wasn't trying to hit it. Now, Black Panther then came out. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's Wakanda forever. And everybody is Wakanda forever. But I'm not saying anything or acting any different or mm-hmm. my philosophy really hasn't shifted. Sure. It's just that we're, you know, as a people, in a way, starting to starting to catch up. But why is content like movies the the motivating factor? Because art people, is culture. Yeah, art, art is the culture art, in a way. Yeah, art is the... Um, one of the most art and story are powerful transmission transmitters really? of culture. Um, yeah, that. So it's not surprising that it would have that type of impact because that is sort of the way that we are conditioned to consume, mm. and our, our brains are wired for story. It really is. So yep. if you can tell a compelling story, it's it's a story that got. It's this collection of stories that put you in whatever position that you're in. So it's going to be a collection of stories that Get take you out. you out of it. Yeah. And I think particularly surrounding Black Panther, mm-hmm. Black people were so able, at least Black people in the, in America, mm-hmm. you know, Black Americans were able to see for almost the first time um, save coming to America. Right. Sure. But that was a comedy. Sure. But still, right. that that gave us some that gave us some right. little, little little fancy. You're right. But it was the first time we had seen image of Africa uninterrupted. Mm. Like by we didn't see there was nobody with flies on there. No, You're like right. it was the imagery. It was a great Africa. Yeah, the imagery of is what what we would envision Africa to have been like inside of Wakanda if colonialism and enslavement. Never happened. It fit our own fantasy. It fit our own. It fit our own fantasy. And yes, mm-hmm. but also the seat of of the future is how is fantasy. Yes. Like most science fiction. Like if you think about science fiction from the eighties, mm-hmm. now all of that stuff. Right. Back we're to doing the future, it. We, B- because that, it's because it, it comes like the yeah. Jetsons and the phone. Yes. Uh, uh, Star Trek. Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot uh, of that that's all, the sixties. Yeah. Really. Yeah, and now yeah. this stuff is coming to fruition. Right. But it shows how governments are twenty and thirty years ahead. So these are artists that right. create that world, not the government. The government. Well, I'm just saying the government that. takes it 
and they they look at it and then they plan from that twenty and thirty years for the implica- for the right. application well, the, of it. And That's it just goes to show it's even even in the case of technology, art comes before the technology. Wow. Because it's the imagination of the writers. It's yes. the imagination of these visionary so people. So art is like amazing. Art is a form of science. It's a, it's a form of science in a, in a way. Right. It's like, a, it, yeah, it's a precursor. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah, it's a precursor. Definite yeah. influencer. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Because then somebody be like, oh, well, can we, oh, maybe we can figure out how that yeah. work. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. And then they go mean? to figure it out. Eh? Then, right. they, then somebody yeah, goes yeah, to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, you have to imagine it first. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Tell you, this is a heavy and create and create a world wherein it can happen. Like what art does, it, it creates the world where, wherein things can happen. Right. So just like when you watch a movie, even if there are things in a movie that you know can't be real, like you're watching a superhero movie, you know people can't fly. What story and art does is it allows you to suspend your disbelief. It it allows you to mm-hmm. imagine a new set of rules and possibilities. Right. So it's like okay. In real life, people can't fly and walk through walls, but I'm willing to accept <laughs> in the context of this story that yeah, these things are possible. These things are possible. So as soon as you yeah. make that leap, even in your real life, once you make that leap, which is what faith is, you're making a leap of I'm willing to accept that these things are possible. That's the first step towards now these things somehow are possible. Right. So or believable, least, or understanding of things that you can't necessarily see, right? Mm. That you couldn't, you know, that you couldn't see. At sure, the, you can't sure. see at the time, absolutely. Right? So that that so, becomes a piece. But so we need this art. It yeah, art is got is, to have it. it, it mm-hmm. You know, because people negate how great it is. Right, right. You know? I mean, I think, and art was used to demean and damage um, our station in humanity. Mm-hmm. If you think about just how the development or the co-opting of Christianity using mm. imagery like the white Jesus, the white Jesus and, you know, the Sistine Chapel, like all of the imagery that comes out of the, the early um, European Christian church just diminishes all of Africa as a part of Christendom. Right. As the seat of Christendom. That's so true. Right? So mm-hmm. that happens. You make the, all the people white. And then you then it's easy to shift the story and create. You I'm know, I like to you say they the create. Christians angry today, sis. No, they'll be all right. <laughs> no, um, no, 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 no. It, but I'm serious. They'll be all right. Because Christians cannot embrace. I just had this conversation. They cannot embrace that they were giving given this religion and that it not partic- it might not particularly be something that fits you. I'm not saying it is or not, right. but I'm saying that they don't even want to have the conversation because then it has it, because it requires that you call into question everything you thought to thought to be true. That is so true. Every, everything, everything. Right. So right, yeah. your whole belief, everything system, and that's why is even, Christianity, even the nature of your own self. Right. Yes. What, your what you identity. mean if I? What you mean Which, I wasn't born in sin? Absolutely. Right. You you change the whole when you question people, and it's not just Christianity. When you question anybody's religious belief, it's you know primary to us because most Black Americans are Christian. Oh, Christians, yes. It calls you, you. You have to call in the question everything. So then mm. it's like, well, wait a minute. Right. What is the Middle East? Mm. Like that's a creation. Right. There is no Middle there's East. No there, such thing. That's a, why I tell there's folks. There's a region that we, but it's we not know Middle as, East. That's what, but right. that's Africa. Europeans called it Middle East, right? Because they don't want you to know that it was that's, midway to the east from Europe. Absolutely. But 
Right. That doesn't make it less. That doesn't make Israel that right. that's, less that's, Africa. That's a political. That's a political yeah. designation. Absolutely. Um, and and like like what you're saying, calling things in the question that that's what story does. It gives you a safe space to do that. Mm. Right. Because, OK, I'm willing to grant that these things are possible. And then while you're living in the world of that story you can be transformed by it right? because that's what all, that's what all faiths and religions do. They allow you to exist in a world where certain things are possible. And while you're living in that space, you become transformed through your identity becomes transformed through it. But my question is, are we being transformed? Look at you, our, we, look at we our have, community. We have, look at our children. We have you, been transformed to right, what we are now. Right. Mm, so that's the transformation. So the transform, right. yeah, and the transformation sometimes is maintained over a long, over long periods of time. It's not just immediate. It's like, not just immediate. Sure, it's, sure. It's transform. And we still, if you look at, I mean, if we look at black church versus white church in America. You still very much see the presence of African spirituality. It didn't all go in the trash can because right. we're was, Africans. Because we're Africans, and mm-hmm. and you can take. If you take a a tiger, if you take a lion mm-hmm. and put it out of bears. out of Africa and put it in Europe, it's not. It's still a lion, right. yes. So, but it's going to adapt. It's going to adapt, Europe. right? right. So, yes. But you, but it's still a lion. It's still a lion. And you, right. you can yes, put sir. your hand in his mouth if you want. <laughs> right. I'm not. I think I think talking about transformation is a, a great way to segue into some of the work that you do. Okay. I love um, that, G. So yeah, I think it's you mentioned a couple of the the um, initiatives that you are involved with. Yeah. So because this hood hike, you got to tell us about that, Nika. <laughs> This, I'm, listen, family, first of all, let's say, let me give you a little context. <laughs> Someone tagged the box about the hood hike. And I'm like, hood hike? What, who is Who wants to hike in the hood? Me. I, yes, all I us. went to the hood hike family. It was phenomenal. She had information. We toured Upton, right? Mm-hmm. And um, there was different people present. And it was in on Sunday morning. Yep. Sunday. And it was one of the best things I've ever done. So I want to know what would make you create something so innovative and what and tell the people really what it is. Cool. So really hood hikes are kind of have uh three purposes. The first purpose is to kind of get folks out in community doing a free fitness activity. Um, because okay. one of the things, you know, if you look at our community, there isn't a lot of um, affordable, accessible uh, fitness activity. True. So that's one piece to kind of get people who don't know each other to um, be talking, you so know, like to each other, developing, developing community, whether you live, you know, right in the community or sure. or not. Um, because now we have Facebook, we have social media, we have all kinds of means to maintain our sense of community even if we're not co-located sure. and then the the third piece is really to talk about opportunities for development in our community surrounding re- you know real estate real property mm-hmm. um and in and wrapped all the way you know wrapped all around those two things is really discussing the history of the community in that we walk in so um, either Upton, most of the time we walk in either Upton or in Harlem Park, um, primarily because I live in I live in those neighborhoods, but also because those neighborhoods are 
um, kind of the seat of history for black people in um, in Baltimore. Like so that why, would you mean, why would you say it's the seat? I would say Explain it's the seat because that. number one, it uh, those neighborhoods are either in or adjacent to Pennsylvania Avenue, mm. which was the, the art, circuit yeah, and the, all of the that. art and culture center, uh, right? Art and entertainment right. center right. of Black Baltimore. So yes. you know the the soul. Yes, you know um, you had a lot of notable people in our community. Thir- everybody from Thurgood Marshall yeah. to Billy Holiday who lived um, in those in those in, areas, in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now it is a you know, the touchstone for the uprising happened mm-hmm. um, in Sandtown, Winchester, sure. which we don't typically walk up that far, but it is it is in the that general the, area. Right. It's the vicinity. It's in the vicinity. Mm. And so Old West Baltimore, which covers most of those neighborhoods, um, is really important for those reasons, but also because there is a lot of opportunity for um, us to do community-based real estate development. And a lot of times we don't see opportunity we see blight mm-hmm. we see you know poverty Drugs. we see uh violence we see all this other stuff mm-hmm. but folks outside of our community they see wealth they see cheap real estate mm-hmm. they see an opportunity to come in and buy low lit and live high right um by displacing you know by displacing us through through the typical means that they displace us. And so I really want to try to change the change our understanding of what an opportunity looks like, but also it's about healing. You So our community made a really devastating mistake. I mean, our elders um, were, were well-intentioned. Um, I understand what they were trying to do, but we had the we had the benefit of being able to look back at the last 50 years to see that there is nothing we can do to convince people that we're human. So we need to stop. Right. That's that's we're we're done with that, because if if folks Love were it. not convinced by Dr. King and that ilk, there's no they will not be convinced. Love Anybody it. who can't be convinced by peaceful. Him, peaceful protest, yeah, can't then be. it's nothing we can do. Right. Yeah, they can't be convinced. So. Hmm. The attempt at um, convincing folks and then the attempts at integrating and the thought that these laws leveled the playing field was caused um, several mistakes. A grave mistake. Yeah. So one of them was just psychologically, we actually thought that Mm -hmm. we had arrived Mm -hmm. and that we had we would be accepted. So that was one mistake. But then those of us who could made a class, very classist decision, like, oh, now I can move where white people move. I will. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Even though you ended up not moving where white people move, because as soon as you moved to they the county, move. they moved again. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but but that not staying and shoring up um, in our, our communities and, and the communities that we were in, yep. but then thirdly, not expanding and seeing us in seeing ourselves truly as a part of the global black struggle. Right. So, you know, not seeing ourselves as a part of what's happening in the Caribbean or what's happening in Brazil or what's happening, what was happening. And we think it's just us. This is everywhere. Yeah, It's just like, yep. We exist. No colonialism is worldly is 
has impacted all of us. And mm-hmm. so those decisions render us now um, still with no net worth. Like we still, we still broke. Still trying to build. We still broke. Mm-hmm. We still trying to convince people. And and worse, we're not co-located. So now Tell the people young what that people means, though, sis. Co-located, co-located, meaning that black folks of all different types. In the 60s, 50s, 60s, Black folks of all different types, all different varieties from pimps mm-hmm. to, you know, politicians all, okay. all live together. Got it. So if I'm a young person, I get to see all the the possibilities mm-hmm. for my for my life. Sure. From, you know, from a bum to a garbage man to a, a home a builder. I get to see all of that. Mm-hmm. So I know what my possible with the, the spectrum of my possibilities to. are. Right. Yeah. Now you Either, you know, you're living, you might be living in a middle class or wealthy black um, community and your children become and you become disconnected or resentful of your lower class brethren um, or whatever the case may be. And you don't feel the responsibility or you don't feel a part of, um, but your children are going to school in places that are not affirming their humanity. So you think you won because you're sending your kids to county schools, but your kids are developing a self-esteem issue that will not <laughs> will not easily be resolved as an adult. Yes. Right, right. On the other side, the young people in neighborhoods that are not as wealthy or as educated develop resentment. They develop low self-esteem for because they like, why my neighborhood look like this? What's wrong with me? So we end up with the same problems cause essentially by the same route, but it just comes from two different, it comes from different directions. Right. And so that's kind of the reason why, um, I developed the hood hikes Mm -hmm. to, to try to, to get us to, you know, kind of be on this on one accord about those, those things. Yeah. You said something on a hood hike that was amazing. You said that it gives people the ability to actually feel the black. Right. Because, you know, a lot of times you ride past, you see all these border homes. Okay. It's all good. Yeah, it doesn't but feel the I same. when I was out there <laughs> touching it and seeing it, it was real. And to yeah. see, even see some of the things that the city has done to make the blight worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, saying that, you know, they're moving water around. They got these pipes that are distended. Mm-hmm. And you don't really notice how ridiculous they are if you're in a car. Yeah, but you if don't. you're walking. Right. That changes the whole game. Yeah, it does. It's different. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why, you know, if you see the houses and I've had several people kind of make that comment, like I drive by some of this stuff. It's not real. But it's sis. not. Yes. Like it's not the same Mm-mm. until you walk. Um, and it so really I isn't. I mean, I have. Well, on my street, there's no blighted buildings, but I've seen them. Yeah. But being out there doing it with other people and also that was more important because you see how they respond to it. Right. Because everybody's perspective is different. Yeah. And so when when you're able to see it in that realm, you're like, this is terrible. Yeah. And, and people think, are living in this. I think driving through, you don't realize how much of it it is. But when, but when you start walking, walking yes. and you see, oh, this isn't just one block. North Avenue. This is everywhere. This is... <laughs> Every like you can go for blocks and blocks and yes. blocks and blocks and blocks. But and then see the same children thing. are going to school through this blight. Children, Absolutely, children. I mean, so when you know, so that is what I see. The issue is, is so there's so many um, issues in that respect. With um, 
you know, people walking through blight and the blight that's in in these communities. So it's amazing when I went on a hood hike. I'm telling you, it, it changed some things in me. <laughs> well, really, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, real talk. Real talk. I was like, wow, this hood hike is something. How does the hood hike sit within the context of the other work that you do? In May um, 2016, I saw um, some young people riding on some bikes down Fremont Avenue. I was going home and there was a demolition site and it didn't have a gate. It was a mess. And so I thought, you know, what happens if one of these children falls in what was the basement of one of these houses? And so I started kind of researching, like, who I should report that to. And that became why was the house being dem demolished? Then it was like, well, why do we have so many of these vacants? And then it was like, why aren't, you know, why aren't these houses being utilized? And so that kind of um, gave birth to Fight Blight Be More, which is the overarching um, umbrella for, for the work that I do. And so in, the, in that work, we focus on um, developing economic, social, and environmental justice uh, using data um, to help folks in community understand, contextualize, and craft their own solutions to the presence of blight. And when we talk about blight, we mean um, presence, the presence of specifically in concentrations of vacant, abandoned, dilapidated, underutilized, and misutilized properties and community. And so um, the hood hikes came about after I had done some work and published a paper talking about, you know, what the how Baltimore got this way mm -hmm. and what politicians, um, specifically kind of city, um, local officials could do to help position folks and community to do what we need to do. Right. Okay. And so a lot of folks were like, uh, well, I don't see it. I don't, you know, it doesn't impact me. And I was like, no, come around here. <laughs> come around, you know, let's let's get this. Come around here and see what it actually is mm -hmm. and see how. So one of the the people talk a lot about um, vacant properties and dilapidated properties, but people don't often think about how having 16,000 vacant properties. Let's just use the city's so in number. The city, it's 16,000. That's the city's number. Really? It's um, more than that. I'm sorry. Well, that's based on the number of vacant house notices. So okay. let's just use that number. So that's for, the number of vacant house house notice. Yeah, okay. sixteen thousand. Um, what happens and what you lose in a community when you have sixteen thousand households mm. gone? Yes. Like, what kind of stories are lost? To your point, what kind of connections are lost? What kind of um, generational wealth transfer is lost sure. when you have that kind of when you have concentrations of blight in, in those numbers? And so a lot of times people just don't get it. They but don't what get city it. would allow 16,000 houses. Uh, the tax base. Detroit. So that's a that's a problem. Uh, Chicago, uh, St. <laughs> Louis. Louis. Oh my goodness! Uh, All the New cities York, then. The Bronx, I mean, if you think about the Bronx in the eighties, oh, um, but it it had everything. But even even all of those things mm -hmm. happened as a result of. Um, federal policy. Sure. Um, whether it was federal transportation policy, whether it was um, federal housing policy, all of those things um, were come mostly from federal policy, state policy and, and local policy. And then people just do 
people just do what, what the the law allows them to do. But hood, the hood hikes came out of um, came out of that because people really don't understand, like you said, what it looks like nah. or what it feel, what it actually feels until like until you do it. Yes. Until you do it. Yes. Um, the hood hikes came out of that because I wanted also to kind of show people what I had done. Because w- one thing I love, you know, black folks be like, "Oh, that's cute. You got your little data. You got your wrote your little but paper. We need something to touch. We need but touch. what you doing? And so I wanted to start inviting people out so they could see the space. Got it. Like, oh yeah. I got my data and my numbers. But not only but that, this you, is hired, um, right. you hired um, youth yeah. this summer, right? So we hired eight youth workers okay. to help us um, test our app and do some other, you know, blight-related research. Mm-hmm. And So the app. So you have an app. Yeah. What's, uh, talk about that. So the app, basically, if you've ever used Baltimore's 311, you know mm-hmm. it's a joke. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the ability for you to track or keep all of the the reports that you made, mm-hmm. it doesn't have the ability for you really to offer feedback. Like they'll say something is closed and done mm-hmm. and that's it. But if you just looked at it and it's not closed, there's no way for you to say, ho, 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 it's not, it's not done. Sure. So um, we, I really wanted to develop something that would enable people in communities to not only report the instances of blight, but track it eventually be able to analyze it um, Mm -hmm. to pull in data from other sources as well. And so the app is right now, we just finished um, the young people uh, tested the app this summer. So we are in the process of going through the second redesign so that we can. What's um, the name of it? Is it Fight Blight? It's Fight Blight Be More. um, So that we can develop the full the full version of the app. So mm-hmm. basically, we just did a conceptual and MVP, mm-hmm. um, which is like the minimal the viable product. product. Thank you, bro. You know, which I is like that. the lowest piece of code to kind of validate um, whether minimal the idea- minimal minimal viable product. product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we're in. Um, we're getting product. ready to to do the redesign so that we can develop a full beta version, which hopefully will will be ready by um, Hack Baltimore, which is in May of 2020. Sounds very technical, a beta version. Yeah. So okay. I'm, by trade, I'm a systems engineer. I hear it. I hear it. Sir. And so that's kind of how I waited the app because I think about things, you know, from the work that I do from well, you systems. you know what? The box need an app. <laughs> the box need an app. Yes, right. sir. We can find some people to develop you, oh, to code y'all up. We can code we y'all up an app. app. Get y'all popping. That's right. That's right. I love it. The I box doesn't it. need an app yet. Ooh. The box doesn't need an app yet. Okay. All right. Stay out the oh, box. <laughs> I love it. The box doesn't need the, an the app. The box don't need an app. Okay, bro. Whatever you say. But one day. But when, that's not... That's that's a distraction right now. Yeah, no, nah, yeah. hey, I right. understand. You know I understand. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Father. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like... And we appreciate you, bro. I don't want to get sidetracked. Yeah, yeah, I understood. It's easy in right. this work to get sidetracked. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Well, I read your, um, you know, your little bio you sent me. <laughs> Beautiful bio. And you said something conscious cap- capitalism. What is that? Well, I said that like three years ago when I wrote that bio. And yeah, like now you I'm questioning it. Conscious so conscious cap- capitalism. So there's this concept about um, basically trying to have um, equitable, sustainable and um, responsible capitalism. Mm. 
And so people kind of frame that as conscious capitalism. Got it. And I was for a minute. Because I never heard of anything conscious when it comes to capitalism. Right. So (laughs) I had to define what that was. For a minute, I was kind of toying with uh, framing the work that I do with inside the idea of conscious capitalism. But the more and more I dig into capitalism, Mm -hmm. the more and more I feel like there is no way. Let me put it like this. We're the original capital in capitalism. All day long. You can't call, you can't say that capitalism is supports a free market when it was nurtured on a slave market. On a product. And so yep. I can't, in good conscience, that doesn't sit with me. So I, I'm looking more at um, the idea of communalism. And I, I won't go to communism because communism is just white working class angst against the capitalists. It never intended to include black people, Marxism, none of that, that all of that racism is all in all of that. So Mm -hmm. I can't, we can't, I don't think that it is appropriate to go to communism. I think we have to kind of look back at pre um, capitalist economic models in Africa and develop and take those and develop them going um, toward the future. So I like Mm -hmm. to say now I'm kind of, toying with this idea of conversion communalism converting conversion from capitalism to communalism um mm. and so that's that's kind of where i was with that communalism um, conscious like, capitalist but there are a lot up. of people who are working within that um conscious capitalism capitalist framework and i don't begrudge them i understand what they're what they're trying to do i just don't know that you can i don't know that you can separate Capitalism was born on slavery. On it's not like, so I don't know you can. I don't yeah, know that you can. Ex- that's why I that you can separate them. Okay. Maybe you can. Right. Well, yeah. I think it's important to um, be intentional about the language you use to describe what you do, whatever the external impact of that is. For if for no other reason than for your own clarity in what it is that you're doing, you want to be conscious to to use that word of the way that you describe yourself to yourself, because what happens is if you don't, if you aren't clear about it, then you'll do all of those little subtle self sabotaging things because you can't really put yourself into it because you feel some type of way. That's that is part of what blocks people is that lack of clarity and understanding and feeling like you can, without reservation, go all in, you know, because you, if you, if you are aware, then you will feel that, yeah, it's kind of, mm, you know, <laughs> right. But you know, if you're a gangster, you don't care. Like right. you just do it. You just do but, it. <laughs> most most people are so not gangster. Right. Yeah, people aren't right. gangster. That's true. That's true. So, and I, and and I think that we don't really understand as a rule. We don't have a good understanding of capitalism. We don't have a, a good understanding of, you know, how it has worked historically. Mm. And we so, don't understand the mechanisms of, and we don't understand the application of. Nope. So when you don't understand that, then you function with it and it actually utilizes you as exactly. a product. And that's Against what, yourself. Absolutely. That's what capitalism is. So, you know, you really yeah. kind of want to know what that is, family. So what else? The sister gather. Oh, so uh, yes. The box has not been at the sister gather, <laughs> sister. <laughs> well, that's probably because one of the things that has happened um so like I said, let me go back. Like I said, being raised um rather firmly in, in Pan-African thought, there's always been um 
a connection to how we lived and how we operated socially in traditional African society. Um, and so Sister Gather was kind of born out of a need for black women um, or women of African descent no matter how they frame themselves or how they name themselves to have space to reconnect with, you know, sisterhood as a cultural practice. And so sister gather was born out of that, um, but hasn't been active in, in several years because we have moved um, from uh, sister gather into a more formalized uh, women's rights of passage program that, um, Maya, um, both Maya Onyango, who was uh, my partner in um, Sister Gather, and we have um, both uh, joined or gone through an adult women's rites of passage called Sankofa Emma. And so we have focused our efforts on um, developing and pouring into that so that we can both um, bring more women into um rites of passage, but also eventually set up um, a, a girl's rites of passage. Mm -hmm. But we have to make sure that the women are straight first. Otherwise, we'll just be, you know, teaching the girls stuff. Um, That's amazing. Rites of passage for women? Yeah. I, uh, my nephew did a rites of passage. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Because we have, we're, we're away from, again, we're away from our cultural practice. And as long as we're away from our cultural practice or as long as we still view our cultural practice in America as um, bad mm -hmm. or somehow, you know, you hear people say black people don't got no culture. Sure. Like what? <laughs> like how? We got J, like we have all the elements of culture. We have art, mm -hmm. we have food, we have language. Even though people say you speak English, black English ain't the same Absolutely. as the, the king's English. So we have, different. Yeah, we have Absolutely. spiritual practice. We have all, we have economy. You know, mm -hmm. we were Uber before Uber. They just called it hacks. Hacks, yes, sir. <laughs> we have all the elements of culture as black people in America's, but we're, but we're still demonizing ourselves. So to um, like address that, mm -hmm. we've, we feel like it is important to really reconnect with our, our African cultural practice. Because when you do that, you can see the direct correlation between how the church mothers behave in the AME church mm -hmm. and how the queen mothers behave in the village, mm -hmm. like, and what, what function they serve. So then you can say, wow. Oh, so when y'all say Africans ain't had no culture, y'all was a whole lie because there was a whole, there's a whole system, political and social system in, in traditional African societies that is way more complex and way more holistic than whatever they was doing in the courts of Europe. So you just see it differently, but you have to know it. You have to know it's there. So I know you do some African dancing too. You're a dancer. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't do as much. I don't do as much as I used to. Because again, one of the biggest challenges for black people in Baltimore to do anything is space. Tell me, name five places where 500 or more black people can gather gather in Baltimore that, that is black owned. I know one. I don't know. I don't know five, but I do know one. In a majority. So, so black owned. in a majority black city. That's unfortunate. You can name one. I can name one, but 500. Yeah, he can hold 500. But well, name it because I, I might not know. The bamboo. 
Oh, I didn't know that. What and I that? just found him. We just, I just, hooked him. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the black. I make sure I you collect the black sis. That's the my bamboo. job. Absolutely. That's my job. Bamboo, my okay. man, Jamaican. Okay. Good guy. So that, guy. that adds Unity. to the ones that, yeah. that I could, that I could offer, which would basically be the forum. He's probably the forum. Yes, exactly. And downtown Culture Arts Center. Mm. But that's, that's, that's basically it. it. So yep. how is that possible? So one of the things that's always been a challenge for black arts here or black arts organizations has been space. It's been space. And a lot of people use UB, but it's not huge. It's not huge. Exactly. Yeah. You and know? we do, yeah. Use UB Kirk Alehi, um, African Dance yeah. Company is in UB Blake. Yeah, um, my girl, Jahan. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I would say my first foray into activism probably was you know being in San Cofa Dance Theater as a teen and going Ooh, around Mama and evangel- yep, evangelizing yeah. you know African culture for black people through dance right wow. um, and that's you know been since I was in middle school but again the art and the activism always goes together yeah, you look we at, talked about if that. you look art, at all our activism. luminary artists most of them James Baldwin like these people forayed into activism because of their art because of the art. Excellent. And you you know what? I saw that you Morgan State alumni. That's right. That's right. Biz for life. That's right. That's what you talking about. Stop, We big around here. You don't, you don't, seem, now, hold really up. You don't seem impressed. I, that's what I'm talking about. Stop with you, bro. What you want me to say? You need to say Morgan State for life. Can I why, hear why it? Why am I going to say that? <laughs> I'm not from there. Because you got these two beers sitting at the table. That's cool. We alumnus. Yeah. He like he like I mean, he like I'm not doing that. I don't know what's wrong with him. Like the story, it don't matter. <laughs> oh my god, we gonna let you be on that. Don't be it's playing cool. with Morgan. It's cool, whatever. I mean, you know, but I like that whatever. about you, sis. Whatever. That that's that. We got a connection on that. So yeah. when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, she my sister for life now. Because <laughs> yeah. we choose the same places to spend some time. Right. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Word up. <laughs> It's all good. He's not. He's he, not. He's, he's not, not impressed. It. I know. It's all good. He, he must have went you know, to one of those military, other schools. No military. You know no, how? No, 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 no. It's it's not that. So what is it? It's cool. It's just it's cool. It's you know, cool. but he, gonna... that's how he is. It's all that's good. How I am. He's yeah, that's how he is. like why am he's, I like this? You know, that's how he's, he is. It's all even. good. It's all good. But I like that about you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm good with that. So we about to be out here, out here. So I just really trying to find out. Um, what is your last woman testament? What would you like to tell a community? Leave with the community. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, leave something. Leave a jewel. So, in that in that vein, one of the major ways that Black people in Baltimore have lost um, access to generational wealth, have lost property, has been our failure to succession plan organizationally personally and within our families and um, not having estate plans organizationally, professionally, and What's um, a within succession our plan? Help us. So a succession plan. So I'm going to use an example um, and excuse me if it's too soon. So um, when Senator Elijah Cummins um, passed away, this is, I already know. It is my opinion mm-hmm. um, that there should have been at least five, maybe 10 candidates, folks that he had personally vetted, personally trained and personally connected so that when there was time for this special election, that maybe all of those five, all of those 10 people, five or 10 people didn't run, but that 
at this time, but they were prepared. You're talking about harvesting. Yeah, prepared to run candidates. and prepared to take the mantle. In sure. fact, to be honest, I feel like um, the mantle should have already been passed <laughs> so that really our elders that. have an opportunity to enjoy their eldership and to apply their wisdom appropriately, not having to be running down Washington dealing with the yahoos in Washington or going to Annapolis and dealing with the people in Annapolis. They should be able to sit and hold court and have counsel and tell like, okay, you remember those lessons I gave you about sure. A, B, and C? Now it's time to 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 run game one that I taught you. Okay, yes. while she over here doing this, I'm going to need you to go run Computer blue. I remember totally that? Remember understand that with you. And so succession planning is about ensuring the sustainability um, of the organization past yourself, past sure. the current leadership. And so a lot of times we don't do that in families. Um, we don't do that in organizations and we don't do that personally. So when a person dies, so when a person the dies, is on. Right. So how it plays out and impacts blight in Baltimore specifically is when you have families um, big mama die um, in a state, which means without a will, without an estate plan. Um, and the heirs have not been trained about what should happen. Then you have people lose houses for tax sale because let's say it's, you know, us. Mm -hmm. Nobody want to pay the taxes because you want to sell a house. You want to keep the house. And I'm, I was living in the house with Big Mama and I might not be prepared to take care of myself um, or the house. Right. And so it's a beef. It's an argument. We don't never um, find a way to have a resolution that's for the benefit of the whole family. So don't nobody pay the taxes. And now the, house, now the house is gone. Right. And so a lot of that comes out of our one a lack of understanding about how the financial system um, works. But there are now, um, you can go to the Community Law Center, you can go to St. Ambrose, um, you can also, Maryland Volunteer Lawyer Service has a program called My House, My Deed, and they help um, elders specifically in developing their estate plan using life estate deeds, which um, enables elders to um, circumvent probate. Because you you want your assets to go directly to your beneficiaries. You don't want them to have to go through probate because the more they go through probate, that's the more, you know, more chance more that fees. somebody you more fees, yeah. um, more chance that somebody from outside that they owe money um, to including the state um, can get their hands on on those things. But because we fail to deal with death. Um, partially, I think because our lives are so hard and we just don't ever know when they're going to be snatched um, from a, from us. It's the last thing we want to deal with. But that has led to the erosion of um, black land sovereignty and the amount of black people who own land in Baltimore. And it's something that we have to we have to stop. Uh, and we also have to, you know, again, sometimes it has to do with people not wanting to cede power. Um which is problematic, but that is also because we have this idea that, you know, whatever we have is only whatever power we have only exists as long as we draw breath. And that, that is a very, that is a very European concept in the sense that that is what they teach us. Meanwhile, they build monuments. They teach us not to revere our ancestors. Meanwhile, 
they put theirs on Mount Rushmore. You see what I'm saying? So it's a it's the way in which the the ancestor reverence is framed and makes us feel like you only got power while you're physically here. Um, and so we don't plan for the generations to come after. And so we lose a lot in the transitions because we haven't properly um, trained people. We haven't properly given people the history. Oh, this is this is what happened in 1972. So this is why Uncle such and so don't come to Thanksgiving. Like you need to know those things. You need to understand those things in order to function um, as an individual, but also in order to function as a family. And if a, and if you have a family business or, or any other organization of black people, you need that historical information in order, in order to make good decisions. But you have to train people up. And we don't do a good job of we don't do a good job of training people up. So um, that's what we need to do. And so my last, plan. my last will and testament is please make sure that you check on your elders. Mm-hmm. Make sure ain't no reverse mortgages jumping off. Um, but that True. you make sure that you first have a proper estate plan. So that means a will or a trust. It means a living will that covers your medical decisions sure. and things like that. It means making sure all your beneficiaries are up up to date. It means making sure people know what your last wishes are in terms of how you want to be buried. It means making sure that there's somebody when you die that can go with your family to make sure that the funeral home doesn't get over on them. It's all of these decisions that we need to make sure that we're making in advance, making sure that we understand Mm. and making sure that we're training our young people how to do that. Um, so that they're prepared, not wait until somebody's 60 years old and big mama dead and their feelings is hurt. You need to do that when they're 17, 18, 19, 20. That is age appropriate so that we can keep the things that the physical things that we need to keep in our family, but also sure. so that we don't destroy our family bonds in those strength in those transitions. Amazing. And that just family stories. You really gave a last will and testament. Yeah, that because, the family stories aren't lost. Cause I, I'm, let me, I'll say, I, I gotta tell this, this part. Tell it. One of the things I find really, really disturbing is that black people think, um, that we just showed up here. Like, People think that they're, and for some black people, it's true. Their folks literally got off a slave ship down at the port and their people have been here ever since, right? But for many of us, your folks came from North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, West Virginia, wherever. And you think that they just showed up here one day for no reason. Nobody told you that the reason that your grandmother and your great aunts came up here is because your great grandfather tried to pay the poll tax and pass the literacy test so he could vote. And the White Citizens Council or the KKK decided uh-uh, and lynched him. Mm. And they, and your grandmother and them was like, pack all this up. We going to Baltimore. So you're saying trauma. I'm saying, yeah, the trauma keeps us from telling those stories. So you think you just showed up here, nothing, and your people don't got nothing, and they just been living here, and they just trifling, or they just, you know, just can't get a... But you they were cut off. You don't know that, they that were, you were cut off. Wow. And, mm. it, and then them white folks just waited till the taxes weren't paid on that land in Virginia. And then he took it over. And now it's a golf course. You don't know that because we don't tell our stories. We allow the trauma of death. We allow the trauma of drugs. We allow the trauma to keep us from doing that generational wealth transfer. And, and most of that is 
knowledge about who you are and what you are. And so that becomes a big barrier to us moving, moving forward. Excellent. Nika Namdi, she laid it. I mean, that's serious. I mean, wow. Okay. We're going to leave with that. <laughs> We're going to let the family digest that. That was serious. Was that a mic drop? That was a mic drop. <laughs> so let's get some handles or something like that. Yeah, let's get something sure. to get in touch so, with you for your hood hike and all of that. Um, this is so funny. I never know my social media. We are on <laughs> Facebook as Fight Blight Be More, B-M-O-R-E. We are on Twitter as Fight Blight Be More with no E. And we are on Instagram as Blight to Bright. Blight to Bright. And if you want to email me, have any questions about the work that I do or anything um, super black and super delicious, you can email me at Nika. Hold on, hold on. (laughs) Wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up, Nika. Wait a minute. Did you say super delicious? Yeah, super. super oh. I mean, super black and super delicious. <laughs> I love it. What is your email, lady? I <laughs> you love can it. Email me at Nika, N N E K A at fightblight. Thank you. Be more. We don't want to do super delicious. <laughs> Please. Super delicious twenty seven at aol dot com. Oh man, don't look it up. I ain't no black planet. Oh my. I ain't no black. I ain't no black planet. I love it. She said super delicious. I love it. <laughs> so that's Nika, two N's. So two people N's. Can spell your name correctly. Yep. N-N-E-K-A. Yep. And Namdi is it's also two N's. N-N-A-N-D-I. M-D-I. Yeah, Excellent. That's a beautiful name. Beautiful Thank name. You. Well, we appreciate you. Thank thanks you. For, I appreciate y'all. Yeah, thanks for um, having I, me. Thanks for having that hood hike. <laughs> Thank you. Nika. Thank you. Thank you so much. Black Box Radio, right, G? That's it. Yeah, we have Black Box Radio. Listen, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, hit us at blackboxradio at gmail.com. Go ahead and spell it. Um, definitely blackboxradio.com is our webby presence, but we have to spell Black Box. B-L-A-K, no C. B-O-X-X, two X's, R-A-D-I-O. Black Box Radio, holler at us. Tell us what you need, what you want to talk about. We here. We out here. Peace.